Hey friends, so in this episode, I'm going to be joined by Trevor Dunlap, who is the Executive Director and CEO of Camp Nahop. So let's get into the conversation. So the way I'm going to start this, Trevor, is I'm going to use a deck of cards. Actually, I've got three. They're sitting behind me. There's Curious, Brave, and Vulnerable. Now, in each of these boxes are questions related to those kind of free topics that are about you, because my mindset is that there is information out there about Trevor. You can Google it, but I'd love to know the ungoogleable stuff, and the ungoogleable stuff sits <laughs> within some of these boxes. It's up to you, though. There is choice in this. You can go for Curious. You can go for a brave or vulnerable, and they ramp up in terms of maybe the vulnerability of the question that I may end up asking. Curious is a little bit lighter, but it's up to you entirely what you decide. No pressure. Your decision. So I'm going to go midline. Let's go with brave. And what are the name of these cards, by the way? This is a plug for our good friend at the podcast, Jan Keck, askdeepquestions.com. He sent me these. These are like the prototype boxes, um, and he sent me a load of extra cards that normally wouldn't be in this but there is a deck out there called ask deep questions his mindset is that we don't go deep enough with our connection i love it already i'm excited i you, you know what's going to happen i'm going to purchase these today after we're done with this conversation so jan you're welcome <laughs> so what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to shuffle through these you just tell me to stop okay make it as random as possible stop okay when should you quit that's the question when should you quit now you could relate to a job when would you quit your job? Or you, I guess you could relate it to when should you quit doing something that's challenging? I don't know. It's entirely up to you how you might determine that. But when should you quit? That's a really, really tough question. I um, Quitting is not part of my mindset. So it's uh, it's interesting to me. Like when I think about like, for me, I love challenge and I love like trying to figure things out and I'm tenacious and, and uh prime example, I, you know, I've run 50 mile runs and things like that. And, and of course everybody's going to DNF sometime, I guess, I guess you should quit if, if we're in a, in a physical or adventure realm where it's too dangerous and people are going to get injured. Uh, that would be a place to quit. I think if you were in a role or in a job, when should you quit? If it's a career based thing? Absolutely. I, you know, I've been at this industry for a long time now. I, I had hair when I started. And when I think about that, like, and I'm second generation here at our organization, my, my parents actually started this place. So when I think about that, that quitting is, is when you lose your ability to create impact. And so I think that the opportunity for any of us in leadership roles is understanding that, understanding the context of your position and, and how hopefully you can guide people to a better version of themselves through the work and, and develop their skills and, and help them move along. And I think if I'm not creating impact, I'm not creating growth, not creating innovation, uh, I better get out of the way. Because there's a lot of people that everybody's replaceable. I, I truly believe that even though this is uh, our institution was founded by my parents, I still think that uh, just because I have that last name doesn't mean anything. Uh, I am replaceable and so is everybody else. Because if we're not if we're not doing those things, then then uh, shuffle along, find challenge someplace else. What's what's your passion? What's your drive? Why, why do you keep doing the things you're doing? What keeps you in the job? What keeps me in the job is the realm of possibility. So when I think about the work that we have the privilege of doing in, and um, at our institution or people like ours, those in experiential learning, the realm of possibility, there, there, there's countless things that we can do within our own organizations or our communities or beyond, you know, regionally, nationally, whatever that is. And I, I think what drives me to stay on and to keep on doing it is pushing the envelope, seeing what's possible and, and not settling on 
status quo. I think everything's iterative and that uh, if we actually say, you know what? Yeah, let's take what's good. And how can we build upon that to create new realities, new opportunities for the people that we engage with or our employees or whatever it might be. So that's kind of how I think about this work or, or me in this role. You just highlighted a thing that myself and a colleague, Lisa Hunt, are really passionate about at the moment is like challenging norms, challenging some of the status quo, some, challenging some of the things that maybe we were taught. Is there something that you've seen, maybe it's because of the populations you work with or the world that you work with, that experiential maybe taught you early on a strategy or a thought or a philosophy that was taught that you actually disagree with, that you actually think that that is something we should change or think about differently? That is, that is a tough one. I don't think I have an answer for it, but you know, I think from a relevant experience, so we were, before we jumped onto this podcast, we had a brief dialogue, you and I, about you know, the pandemic. So one of the things that, that we did, and I don't know if you know this in our history, but what we did, it was in the first week of the pandemic, our organization not only does uh, work with people with special needs, but we also do environmental education, adventure education, so on and so forth, to the tune of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. We created online outdoor education within the first week, 16 videos, and and it just became this thing. And then we got all these calls from all over the, the world asking us, how did you do that? We didn't know. We just rolled the dice and said, we got to do something. It was actionable. So so I think you know we have constructs today. It has to be done this way. People have to walk through the door. They have to experience our residential property or they have to experience the ropes course. Well, maybe there's other opportunities. What what truly is a ropes course? What truly is a an experience. So, so I think maybe that's the answer is, is, is this truly an experience that, that creates meaning? And just because it's here, does that mean that that's the only way it has to be? So I think, how do we, how do we turn uh, flip the script and basically create new environments that maybe weren't there before? Do you have a go-to activity? I talked about this in many of my workshops, this golden activity, but is there something that you, an activity you do that you just love that you've used a lot of? You know, what I've really enjoyed is uh, less is more. So when I think about that in recent years, I, I think one of my, my introductions is just partner pair exercises. And so getting together, you know, figuring out what is the, obviously the outcome of what the client wants, but trying to frame the beginning with the right type of questions, but pairing up. So what we I typically do is maybe five series, depending upon what it is, gather together, connect, answer this question, play this game, new person. And what I like about that is, and I, I didn't truly understand this, my, my son uh, that goes to, to college up, up there in Maine, uh, he's, a, he's an introvert. I'm a true extrovert. And so always my, my style had always been like from my, my lens, right? And so he, from his lens, trying to understand it, reading that book quiet and all that kind of stuff, it's right back there, isn't it? <laughs> One of the greatest books, <laughs> yeah. right? Such a fantastic book. And, and so trying to create that space that maybe I didn't understand until I uh, had a child that was that is that child, but also is able to create relationships in his own right, the way that he engages with the world. So trying to provide that in that space, even from an extrovert's perspective and trying to trying to do that. So that's one of my go-tos. And, and, and I think, you know, when we think about the disequilibrium and all that stuff that we talk about, you, you can still create that in a safe way but it's not in a, in a larger context. Yeah, we're in a larger group, but, but it's it's here and here, not not total global. Going back to your origin point, because I think like there's a, Dr. Stuart Brown has a book called Play. And in that, we, he talks about play histories. And so I'm always fascinated about why we get into the work we did. I think your scenario is is a unique one because you grew up in the work that you're doing. 
But is there something about your past when you when you were a child growing up in this world that anchored you to do the work? Because you, there could have been quite the opposite, where you as a child who lives in this world can't wait to get out because that's all you've known and you want to rebel. Something kept you in. What do you think that thing was? So it's it's actually, uh, that's a really good question. And it has many layers, right? So so growing up right outside this window that I'm standing by, this is the institution of which we, we operate. It was a great childhood. Uh, who else gets to, most kids play t-ball in the summer. I was out here in the dirt and uh, in the trees and hiking at night without flashlights and, and all those type of experiences being on the water, this, that, and the other. You talked about the, the, the statement of rebel. My father and mother growing up, they gave all three of us kids the opportunity to go to Outward Bound as our senior year present. My brother and sister both did. I went to France. So uh, I do. I did a different experience. I did. A, I just. I went with uh, one of my family friends, and my my buddy was studying overseas. And so that was that was the thing that I I chose to do. I chose no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. Mom and dad. This is them. My brother and sister. This is them. The interesting thing for me is is I actually went another route. I went into education. I guess it's it's still true. I mean, true to the course of what we do. Just uh, more traditional. I was a classroom teacher for five years, uh, two years in Colorado, and back here in Ohio where I live. But in that journey, I came back home to this place and, and this, this organization was growing. There was something about it, something about the power of the work that we did that just drew me back in. And I, I saw it because, I mean, dad put me in front of people when I was age 16 and I was starting to facilitate, didn't know very much back then. You know, you got your training from your father or the other people around you, but I, it became part of me. And even when I was out West as a teacher in, in Colorado, I, I did some staff development, you know, in my early twenties, it was, it was good, good stuff. But you, you asked about the sign behind me that actually is, is a powerful thing. So the, the life is good. People actually wrote us a letter uh, my father was deceased in 2008. And at his funeral, he actually had life is good stickers that he uh, had placed for every person to take. He actually wrote a letter to everybody. And the life is good people found out about it. So it was kind of like that outwardly outward experience. Like we life is good. How do we create those environments and and be able to get people to to come into those environments to build the new skills? So I guess in essence, it was a long road to get there, but it's such a privilege. And thinking about the the opportunity of the grounding of of that impact. Uh you you talked a little bit about connection a little bit earlier. And in a lot of my work, I there's a quote, one of my favorite quotes by Dr. James Comer says that no significant learning can occur without significant relationship. And when we think about that, think about the the opportunities we we can, it can go one of two ways for us, right? The way that we we set up our, our environments, our institutions, our relationships with our employees, our structures for how we, you know, the pedagogical arch on how we're doing our programs. It's all about the relationship. Even if the relationship's short, uh, we, we really have a lot of I don't want to say power. We have a lot of influence and it is all about intentional design. So that was a lot uh, in that, that conversation there, but that's where my, my head goes. You talk about your you know, relationships are the key. What are the principles by which you foster positive relationships with the people that come through your door? Well, I think it's connection, right? So, so when you think about, I call them swoops. All right. So, so when I come in, I drive in and throughout the year at our institution, I'll have 160 different unique employees based off of all, cause we just bought a second camp, this, that, and the other. But on top of that, you think about the client base. So, so we, in our outdoor education program, 45 different schools with the summer camp, over 500 kids, plus all the corporate clients and teacher climbing, I mean, you're talking 12 to 14,000 people that, that we have the privilege of working with. 
I think it comes from the swoop. So when I come in the door, I'm swooping everything. So I am getting out of the car and I am walking through the buildings. I'm walking past what's happening outside. I'm going into the kitchen. I'm going to the dining room. I'm going wherever I see the action. So my first 30 minutes is generally a swoop because what it is, is people want to be seen and heard, I believe. And when you see them, that tells you that you value them. And when they feel valued, I think there's opportunity that they feel more safe and that they want to engage and they want to build relationships. So I think it's important to try to make connections as much as you possibly can, even as small as they might be, those connections can create part of the thread, right? Because I'm just a piece of that puzzle. The, the other people that do the real work that are out in the field every day, uh, they're the ones that that really built the connection. But one of the things that we harp on with all of, with all of our instructors and field instructors is you better know their names. So what we want them to do is we want them to know their names. Even if they've just had the group, they're going to be going down the way and we try to give them mnemonic devices to try to try to remember names because names are power, powerful things. That's kind of how we apply this to our work. I love the idea of a swoop. What are, what are some of the methods by which you try to give your staff members the ability to maybe find this in a career or even how do you bring them in? There's like a couple of things there, but just thinking about employment in general. Yeah, just like everybody else in this industry, you know, we're putting it everywhere to try to bring people into the fold. But it also, I think it comes back to, you talked about culture, right? We want to be a culture that that is welcoming and, and open. And, and through that, we're modeling what we want them to be able to do with their, their kids or their clients or whoever else we're serving. When we're thinking about things, I actually just did a, a part. My staff is currently in a two and a half week training with our outdoor education directors getting ready for season. And with some of these folks, the returners and other folks, they're, they're new to us. But what I, what I talk about is I want people to say, uh, and I'm sure many of us in this industry want the same thing, that when they see Nahap on somebody's resume, they're like, ooh, we want to talk to that person because we know that they were trained in a way that is values-driven, a way that is intentional, a way that maybe looks at servant leadership and so on and so forth. And so actually part of the conversation, I said, hey, we want, we want to help you build skills. And I actually just created a, a brand new uh, position last year, and that position is our director of education because we want to really look at quality assurance, so on and so forth. So we want to we want to make sure that they may come in here, but what we're doing is we're bringing them to here, and we're doing checklists. We're coming alongside them. We're bringing in other resources to you know whether it's archery certification or you know level one, whatever it might be. We're trying to give them that uh, extra skill, extra step. And if they can stay with us, we have a position open, awesome through that growth. Otherwise, we want to connect them if, if they're if they're quality instructors and they're doing the work and they're having a great outcome, then we're gonna help them flourish. Funny enough, I just got a call from a, from a camp up in Maine saying, Hey, Treb, we've got this position open. Do you know anybody? And what I did is like, as a matter of fact, I do. Let me tell you about her. And she's out west right now. Let me give her a call. So what it is for us that are in this industry for a long time is also connecting and you know each other and you want to provide that because what happens is when we when we share those people and, and each group does it differently and we all learn from one another and each each layer creates another layer and what I think it does is constantly elevates the industry and and the opportunity to to really uh, drive results. I love that you're talking about connecting your staff with other organizations as they leave and there's this constant connection i talk about so often that this field is so connected if you just take the time to reach out to people like go through the list of all the episodes find all the names that means i've interviewed them reach out to them right like these are these are the people that we should be talking about just a quick plug for nahop the education director is chris cavett tons of books on people's shelves 
if you want to go somewhere and get some great education and great skill set, that's a great place to get your first employment. Any students listening, reach out to Trevor. I'm sure there's going to be some spots open at some point. What advice would you give to maybe students who are in college or graduating who are moving into this field for them to be able to find a job? I've been doing a lot of thinking about the topic and uh, a lot of us here probably like Simon Sinek, you know, when you think about the start with why, and, and if you understand, maybe they may not fully understand it at that, that development level, but why, why are you doing it? What is the thing that wakes you up? Why would you want to engage in this work? And I think if you understand that, then, then really understanding what's out there, there's so much possibility. If we look at the, the experiential education, adventure education, like the, all the, all the layers, all the umbrella, everything that's there, go out and find it. And even if it's not a perfect match, go get experience. Because when you have that experience, it informs your decision-making and whether you apply it to a different context uh, in a different part of the industry, each of those things are going to uh, apply. So I think you just get after it and, and also just be confident. You know, the great thing is uh, people that are choosing this industry hopefully are have good affective skills. And so that's what we're looking for. Just Just own that and be ready to go change the world. Realize that you can, even in your early part of your development and take every opportunity I wonder if you could share, because I think stories often anchor us to an emotional state when it comes to the field, because we work with, we have so many examples often of like the power of the work. You know, uh, being at it for so long, and particularly with my parents starting this institution, the, you have almost 50 years of, of lived experience from people that, that were here. What I hear, and actually it was really interesting, I had, I had a conversation with a, with a principal the other day of the school district of which my, my community is, is one of our toughest clients. We have a high poverty rate and so on and so forth. So of course there's, there's nuances to that. And she asked me, she's like, Hey, you know, cash our, our, our team is thinking that, that we should only just come down for day base and not do the residential piece because our behaviors are such. I said, hold on a second. I said, you came to us, you worked for us back in your early part of your career when we, we, we ran a program out in Colorado as well. And I said, who deserves this work more than anybody else? She said, my students. I said, yeah, it might be challenging. It might be tough, but you and I are smart enough to figure out the structures, the antecedents to get the right behavior. And so when we think about that, how can, how can we partner with each other to make sure, even though your teachers are scared that we can make them help them feel comfortable with what may or may not happen and to realize that whatever happens is okay and that we've got the backs. So I think for me, it's just the power of being consistent in how we approach things and how if we look at things a little bit differently and we're not so confined by the box and we say, gosh, we call it the power of the yes here, that yes, there's there's a possibility, there's a solution, there's there's a way of engaging and and embracing people for who they are as they are. And Hopefully, when you were talking about the, the influence, it's almost like ripples that we, we, we train this, we do this. And then I hear from people all the time, this is what I learned. This is what I experienced. Because of this, now I do this in my classrooms, in my professional career, wherever they went from a staff perspective, or also people that, that were campers that came back to us and, and became employees or this, that, and the other. I, I think it's, it's the ripple effect. Do you see the outdoor education industry changing? Is it going from more, less multi-day, less storm style to more individual, or is it coming back? Where do you see the status of the outdoor industry? So I'm, I'm going to say maybe it's a yes and, 
So for us, like, like I stated earlier in, in the conversation, we actually bought a second camp in 2021 because the numbers were so big prior to the pandemic dropped. And then we, one of our competitors, uh, which we deep friendship with these folks, we are stewards of that environment now. So, so we were nearly doubling our numbers in, in programming from 2019 to 2023. Now, I don't think that's the case everywhere. I think again, when we talked about what is our opportunity is how do we, it doesn't have to be here. So I think it's a yes. And I think we're still going to have the residential and in many ways think there's an opportunity from a marketing perspective for that, because we think about what uh, society is, is so technologically driven that change of pace in place. And by removing that from the environment, that that's a value proposition to say, Hey, we're going to teach skill kids skills that count by doing face-to-face -face interaction versus the, the technological piece. So I think, I think there's, there's opportunity there for the long-term residential, albeit we have seen most of our clients go from five days to four days. And then our four day clients go from four days, to three days. We do have some day based stuff, uh, but still the lion's share is, is residential. Although I will also say we brought it on the road to city centers too, to Metro parks, this, that, and the other, because that's what the client wants. So how do we adapt our practice to still get to outcome? even with the expectation of the client. So I think it's a yes and. I wonder if you could leave us with this, with, with one last message, maybe of positivity. You've got life is good behind you. Why is life good? Because every day is an opportunity. I think so often we can get focused in on the minutia, the stuff that gets in the way. And I haven't bought the book yet, but I just heard about it the other day on NPR. It talked about uh, the concept of awe. And that awe is, and I, I'm, I'm probably not doing it justice because I, I need to buy it and read it, but the, the concept of what I heard on NPR was that every moment in our lives, there, there's got to be a sense of awe. What, what is that thing that you're like, wow, we have the privilege every day of making an impact and it's all about our intentionality. And I think life is good if, if we think about the richness of it and, and what we can do with it. I try to live that way as much as possible. I mean, I'm human. It's just like everybody else, but it, it is good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trevor. And thanks for being here. And thanks for the work you do impacting thousands of people and myself and listeners included. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>